we go. In the dome pod. Here we go. Cast, cast, Hey, we're cast. good at hockey again. You know what? That, okay, a lot of people are saying that was the most complete game of the year. I think I have to agree. The only caveat with that is the last most complete game of the year was against the Detroit Red Wings. And those are two of the worst teams in the entire league. So, it blow. So, if you're not putting together a complete game against... Well, I mean, they didn't do it against L.A., well, I said this to somebody on Instagram. I was like, if we beat the Blues on Saturday, or even if we play well against the Blues, I'm sold that this team is back to being somewhat like the Well, You know what? We're seeing some signs of, of it happening. Yeah. Obviously, the two big comebacks in the last two weeks really help. Mm-hmm. Big time. But going back to the last podcast we had two days ago, it is kind of one of those things where it's just like they need just to get over that little hump where they can consistently just click on a nightly basis. Yeah. Because then that is the team that we're talking about that we know from last year. What do you think? So I agree. I agree, man. I agree. This. I think we're totally in a good spot right now. This game against St. Louis is your next biggest litmus test of the year. You've got a really tough stretch coming up here. You you have to treat this game against St. Louis as your biggest game of the year. Because it's well, gonna, it is. If you win this game, it gets you over a huge internal mental hump. Totally. Because I'm just trying to think. Okay, who do we? What do? What did we play after Detroit? Because we had. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's what happened. We had we had the Philly win. Played pretty well. Beat the yeah. Flyers at home. At home. It was three one, and Philly did not look good. Beat the Red Wings. Soundly. That up till then, that was the most sound win of the year. And it was like similar thing that's happening right now. We were like, okay. Playing good. Two games in a row we've beat but yeah, really, weak teams. But then what happened was you played LA on a Saturday and you it. shit the bed. And you absolutely, were terrible. Absolutely awful. That, so, was, that actually is probably your worst game that's of the probably, year. That's the worst game of the year. They were yeah. absolutely terrible. So we've seen this already happen where it's like, hey, we've won two in a row against weaker opponents. Yep. We're playing good. Now let's we really got to, like you said, get over that hump. Yep. This but Saturday the, game is important. The difference is... With the Detroit Red Wings compared to the win last night over the New Jersey Devils is in the past two weeks, you've had massive rally comebacks. Yeah, exactly. And you started to see this team score in bunches. Yep. You started to see this team have no problem putting the puck in the back of yeah, the net. You started to see this team, the bottom six is rounded into form. Johnny's, six, Johnny's, Johnny's at least scoring. Monty's, Monty's Monty scored again last again night. Last night. It was, it was a fluky goal, but still. So I didn't think they were, I thought they, of all the fours last night, I thought the top line was probably the least but they got points and that's and, what we need right and here's now. the other thing too is we talked about this on the last podcast was bill peters is, is has addressed the work ethic again after a solid comeback win against arizona yeah and he's really he really just reamed the guys out yeah in a good spirited way though not in a negative way he reamed them out positively if that's even a thing that's it's what he a, did it's a thing and you missed the start of the game and i texted you last night and said wow they're actually playing with jump mm-hmm and like, what a fucking difference it looked like. It makes that, a huge difference. That first 12 to 18 minutes of the first period, well, they, they were like, it, basically until they got on a power play and the power play stunk, then they lost all the momentum and then... I got home right when the, the Coyotes scored. But then the second and the, the third... Devils. The Devils. Oh, yeah. The Devils. I keep saying Coyotes. Why do I keep thinking of the Coyotes? Like, the second and the third, those were two of the best... It was probably the two best periods I've seen this year. They were absolutely great. Yeah. Especially in the second, I thought. So... Now, I, I guess... If you wanted to see it be a completely perfect game, you don't go down twice. No, no. 
But I still thought that... But at least you're within one goal. I still thought they were the dominant team, regardless of, the, of what went in. Yeah. Um, really quickly, what did you think of Taylor Hall last night? Because... Yeah, he was pretty meh. He... He looked good at times, but then he had some bad turnovers, some bad, some bad turnovers penalties. That led to the goal there, so so he was a little bit of a liability overall. I didn't, I didn't love his game, man. It was it like it was kind of weird. Like Jack, boy, Jack Hughes is a good player. Hey, yes. oh my god! Honestly, I noticed Jack Hughes a lot more than I noticed Nico Heischer. Yeah, no, so did but those two goals they scored were pretty phenomenal Dude, goals. He's a good player, man. Both those goals that the Devil scored last night was just like. I, I was like, I can't even be mad. Like, yeah. that was just skill. That was sweet. That was skill just being ex- years old. high skill being executed at a high speed. I, yeah, to be honest, like I didn't really see much out of Taylor Hall other than that giveaway. He didn't do much, did he? Like, unless I wasn't watching Super Close. it looks like well, you I'm know just what? looking at his stats right now. Honestly, he had a bad night. He was but... the best in the first period, and I think you you missed, yeah, missed a little it. bit of that. So, so yeah, outside of the first period, you didn't know some too much. The Devils are weird because it's kind of odd because like a lot of people really thought them thought they would be they'd have. Obviously, they made all the noise in the summer, but they've not been good at. Well, all. I think a lot of it. Like, what's going on there? I think a lot of it is Mackenzie Blackwood hasn't really been as great this year. No. And who's the other guy, Bernier? Uh, Schneider. Corey Schneider. I always say Bernier instead of Corey Schneider. I feel like they had Bernier at one point, but yeah. Well, and that's I think that's been the biggest thing is the backbone, which is the the goaltending. What about their defense though? Like their defense is like they got Fatten in, and obviously they have PK. It's but true I mean, their like, defense. What's going on back there? And like, PK Subban has been pretty meh. Yeah, like he, I don't know. Like that, I know one, that one shift yeah. last night where he had the turnover and then he fucking fucked it up again. So I don't know. They're a weird team. Anyways, I thought the Flames. But you're right. They have a lot of skill. Yeah, they have a lot of speed and a lot of skill. You'd think they'd be better, and maybe they will. I thought the Flames were overall really solid last night. Guys, this stood out. Obviously, Noah Hanfin had a really good game, and I think we'll get into the deep pairs in a minute. Okay, that was definitely his best game of the year. It was. I think the Dallas game, he was also very excellent. Well, those are the two best but games this of the year. Probably but his this probably his best. His, this was his best statistical night for sure. Yep. I thought the Dallas game, he was dominant out there. But he was good last night. I thought Rasmus—everyone's talking about Hanfin. I thought Rasmus was great last night. Rasmus Anderson. I thought he was awesome. Yep. Um, Derek Ryan— Awesome. Yep. He looks like he's finally back to And it's normal. pretty funny because we were shitting on both those yeah, guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for a decent, for amount, a of decent time amount of time um, I thought I thought Lucic, even though his underlying numbers here that I'm looking at, he wasn't well, here's super the thing. great, but I thought he was pretty good, actually. Here's the thing. On a fourth line role, yeah. you know what? He's actually a very great... He, he's pretty great for a fourth line role. The only issue I have with that is how much you're paying him. Yeah, exactly. If you if you subtract the stupid five million five two five, it's like not that big of a deal. But I thought he played okay. He had yeah. a couple scoring chances. No, he did he had that one clapper. That was yep. pretty sweet. Yep. So just wanted to throw it out there. I liked Milan Lucic's game last night. And you know I also who I also like was a reader last night. Reader was good. He was fine. He actually set up a good chance yeah. up front. I don't know. Everybody Jan- looked pretty good. Jankowski didn't do much though. No. What is with him? He's the only flame. Okay, Darren, did Darren Haynes tweet this out? He's the, he hasn't been on the ice for a goal this year. Is that true? Wouldn't surprise me. That's like, insane. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. What me. is with him? Like, cause, like I know most he's kind of been a punching bag for like a, a year and a bit, but I mean, this guy has scored 17 goals a year before last, yeah. 13 last year. Yeah. He's been publicly demoted to the fourth line. He's 24 years old. I mean, he's going for a contract, like... Can somebody explain to me what's going on with this guy? Does well, anybody know? I, I, like, how I break it down is you have a young guy 
who was who who he was. He was highly touted, all because of Jay Fisher improperly drafted him, and now he's facing serious adversity in his career. So I think that's the problem. He doesn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, like he like, needs he needs some sort of mentorship or some leadership outside of himself that someone could tell him how to get through this. Because, someone who's been in the same position. Like because he's, like he's not doing the things that you need to do in order to win a spot back on the team. In yeah, order exactly. to win confidence back from the coaching. Like and it's just like because most people are like, Oh, he's always sucked. He's been pretty good he's been a pretty effective, like bottom six player the he, last few years. He hasn't always sucked. He just did absolutely dick all in the yeah. playoffs last year. He's been Bill Peters doghouse since the playoffs. And got demoted at the start of the year, and like you, you've said this a million times. Weird. It's it's like you get demoted, and it, you're kind of okay with it. Yeah, he seems to be like totally okay with the fact that he literally lost a third line spot to a guy who's ten years, well, not ten years older than him, but like six or seven years older than him, in a contract year. It's just like I want to see some kind of, I don't know. I'm just disappointed because I think that's why most people like hate on Jake Kelsey because it's like here's a dude with a lot of skills, a really great toolbox. I mean, all of his underlying metrics suggest that he's a pretty good player. He's big. He's got skilled. He's got hands. He's got a good shot. Not the best skater, but I mean, god damn it. 16 games, no points. Dude, he's big. Fuck. Like, he's tall. Yeah, he's huge, but... Is he going to fill out? I don't know. Well, I mean, what is he listed at now? Like, he's probably over 200 pounds. Well, I mean, if you're that tall, you have to be over 200 pounds if you're playing... But, gee, it's it's really disappointing. And I I would agree. That's why people hate on him. Yeah, like it's, it's like, like people don't hate on. You don't hate on a guy who just you like, don't you dude, don't hate on a reader. Yeah, it's like you know reader sucks. Like you know that's reader's skill level's capped at where it is. Yeah, but Jankowski's not playing up to his skill level. Not even close. So, anyways, anyways, he didn't do much last night. Okay, let's talk about the D pairings. What do you think? Well, the this is the thing. The biggest thing going into last night's game, which wasn't even that big, but it was big. It was the biggest thing. Was the biggest thing coming out of the game which was the change in D pairings because you actually saw the changes have a really positive effect for most of those players on the defensive end. Well, we've been clamoring a bit. It's like, okay, Hannafin and Hamannick have struggled. They both seem to not be particularly great in their own end. Split them up. And I think we saw last night, and I, I, had, I had been like, okay, maybe you play Brody and Hamannick together and move Hannafin down to the third pairing. But I really like that Hannafin-Anderson pairing. A lot. And again, like, I think you saw, this is what I was saying the other day, is like, you really want to maximize what Noah Hannafin can do? Play him with a guy who's sound defensively, play him on the power play, and play him more in the offensive end. Like, give him more offensive zone starts. He was and, great last night, a goal and two assists. And maybe that's kind of the thing, because if you look at Hannafin and Hamannick, they're actually pretty damn similar. Yeah. Like, they're really similar players. And so... Where their weaknesses are, it doubles down. Exactly. And where their strengths are, it doubles down. So maybe that's why they're having a hard time being effective. Yeah. And I know you've been saying this all season. I mean, a lot. you've been having to correct a lot of people that have been saying, these guys have been great. Actually, no, their numbers are, are pretty bad. Yeah. They're, and then I think people misconstrue that to me being like they both suck when it's like, I think, like you said, it stacks on top of each other when you put them together. It's like, okay, now it's like they both suck in their own zone. Well, I think they've been better of late. But. So then, then you see a change. Hannafin plays with Anderson last night, and Hannafin has his best game of the season. Exactly. Like, Coincidence? Are, I don't think so. Are you telling me that's a coincidence? I, I don't and think so. And you know so. who else had a good game? Travis, Travis Hamannick playing yep. with Gio. Exactly. That was also a good pairing. 
Oh, it was really it was good. I thought the Hannafin Anderson pairing was I think excellent. I think last night proved basically what you've been saying before the season even started. Split them up exactly, and it's one game. But I think we have a year and a year and a quarter of evidence that those two are non ideal pairing. So I'm I'm so glad. And this to me is why I love. I don't love Bill Peters, but I'm confident in him as a coach. Yeah. Because I was listening to Troy Brower on the on the fan night. They had oh. fucking Troy Brower on the 960 the other morning. You did listen, eh? Well, I re-listened to it a little bit. I didn't hear all of it yet. So why did they even have him on? Is he in town? I don't so know. He's with, he's he with lives Florida. in Calgary. Oh. Yeah, no, he lives in Calgary. Wow. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I know. Anyways, he was talking about Glenn Gulletson. And he was talking about how... Gulletson was very, like, we all know this. He was super, like, here's the lines, this is the lines. He was saying Gulletson was very committed to the, okay, you get seven game segments. Remember that? He was like, you guys have seven games together, and if it's not working, we'll reevaluate after seven games. He was just talking about how that's how, like, Gulletson managed And the reason, reason, reason why you do that, coaches have done this in the past. In playoffs, it's a seven-game series. So if you break the season down into seven-game segments, it starts to mentally set in some stone like playoff hockey, blah blah blah. But then, but then you have, if you have a sh- problems, exactly, and it's like Bill doesn't fuck around with shit like that, right? Bill, okay, this is going Olson. You got seven games. This is Bill. You got seven seconds. Yeah, exactly. Which I appreciate. Yeah, and I appreciate. That's why I'm confident in this guy. Not that I think I know everything about hockey, but it's like a lot of the things that I notice that we notice that we say, hey, maybe they should try this. We see them happen a lot yeah. because Bill's a smart guy. Bill's a good NHL coach. Well, he plays it right down. I think. He plays it to the plays it to a T. Because, yeah. like you said a little while back, the, the other extreme is Daryl Sutter. Exactly, where it's just like change every five seconds. And you got like Dustin Boyd and David Moss playing with Jerome McGinley, and then it's fucking oh man, I can never even remember Eric Nystrom and yeah. <laughs> Tangay together. So. I'm really happy with the adjustments. Obviously, I'm still pissed about the Shillington thing. Well, here's the thing. Your third pairing is Brody and Stone and right now. That was the problem. Like, how good would Brody and Shillington exactly. be Exactly. Are you kidding me? That might be one of the best pairings. Well, I mean, even Hamannick and Shillington. That's not too shabby at all. Come on. Yeah. So, like, I hope this... I hope this... Whatever they're doing with Shillington is just, like, a few games. I didn't think Stone was too bad last night. No, what? He looked pretty decent. You got to give it credit, man. His shot he is... Was, he was bad on the... His on shot the, uh, is a threat. Yeah. He has a great shot from the point. He had the bad play on the... I think it was the 2-1 goal. The, the, the 2-1-1 goal Jack Hughes scored. He, I don't know what he was doing. He was pinching. He was way out of position. But he was he was okay last night. But still, like, Shillington gives you so much more there. So I hope this is a this is kind of like a one-and-done thing. Because the, the few games we've seen Stone in... He and especially with Brody too, like him and Brody, that's a bad pit. Like, he, ugh, not good. Especially when you have then Brody playing on his weaker side. So I don't well, like that pairing still. So and here's the thing: we'll get to this. We're gonna do a little bit of covering Stockton Heat, but they they recalled or they called up Brandon Davidson. Yeah, the guy has two goals and eight assists. He's got ten points in ten games. He's been great. He's tied for the team lead in points as a D man. Well, see, and not to just go off on the stone thing, but this is what I was saying, like, in the preseason, bef- after they had, like, done the whole debacle where they bought out someone and <laughs> re-signed him, I was like, why don't you just utilize Brandon Davidson? Yeah. Because, like, he's he's got a handful of NHL games. He's played some years. He's okay. He's about replacement level. He's probably better than stone. So, 
I don't know why they just didn't utilize him. Anyways, he's been very good, and he's totally earned a call-up, so I totally get calling him up. I just don't like making your defense weaker. So, Do you think we'll see him against St. Louis? Like, who... They probably won't make any changes for St. Louis. I can't imagine they make changes you had a pretty, for St. Louis. You had a pretty good, solid team game. Yeah. They're probably going to stick with the same lineup. Do you think Talbot starts? Well, you think he's, we, we he's got to. I mean, we covered this last podcast. David Riddick right now has had more, faced more shots than anybody in the league. More played, starts. Played more minutes, had more starts. The only thing is you have a three-day break between St. Louis and Dallas, and you're at home. So I could see them starting Riddick against St. Louis, then starting Talbot against Dallas, and Riddick gets like the whole week off. And then you you play Talbot one of Arizona Vegas, so Riddick gets like two yeah. starts in a week in a bit. I so would, honestly, I would not be surprised if he goes with Talbot. I I would be I wouldn't be surprised, but I kind of have a bit of an inkling that they're gonna go Riddick against the Blues, and then start Talbot against the Stars. Okay, I don't know because just like that's what I would do. What maximizes David Riddick's rest time? Giving him the 8th to the 12th off or giving him the 10th to the, say, say you even, what if you even play him in Vegas? What if you go Talbot back, you go Dallas and Arizona and then play Riddick against Vegas? He gets a whole week off. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're going to have, they have these professionals on these teams now that monitor everybody's playing time. Yeah. That will probably have a way better perspective. I don't really have a read on it because the way Bill has done it this year, has been a lot different than what he did last year. Yeah. Last year, he was, like, back and forth all the time. This year, he's really rode... This year, he's he's primarily done what we, what he be, what we would... Outside, what, we, what we would do. Yeah, outside of the Riddick starting against... Um, who did he... Or uh, Talbot starting against... Was it Washington after he had that really good game against the Ducks? So he had back-to-back starts. Outside of that game, it's been, like, yeah. everywhere you'd expect Riddick to play, he's played. He's been the absolute number one, like... Yeah. So I don't know. I'm curious, but that's what I think. Well, that's which, what I would do because which if, is cool because yeah. coming into the season, one of the our one top storylines was, was how is the goaltending situation going to play out, and is is this Bill going to screw with it? And this this kind of almost tells me that, and we, the reason why we said that was because last year it seemed like Michael Mike Smith was getting starts over David Riddick when he shouldn't have, but then. Later information came out. It sounded like Riddick was injured since January. This kind of, to me, confirms that that, that must yeah. be why yeah. he kept on going with Smith. Exactly, and we were we were really right. What did they just say it, though? Because, like, we've, we were all over Bill last year for doing that. It's just say it. Tell him, tell us he's injured. Yeah. I mean, we had no clue. <laughs> I know. So, I don't know. I, and that's, again, this thing is, like, if you're managing an organization yeah, and a team, you also fans. have to manage the public. You do. You really do, to, man. The public is also an asset. Exactly. That you have to manage. Public and so relations. you have to know that if releasing some information to your fan base is going to actually be more beneficial than keeping a secret to the entire league. Yeah. Like, I who, agree. Like, you think that the league's going to... Oh, Rick's just coming off an ear. Let's run him a Let's few times. Let's kill him. Like, when was the last time you ever seen never. anybody go after someone? today. It never happens. Anyways, I think I would I would start Riddick on, on Saturday and then give Talbot Dallas and Arizona. You give a whole week off to Riddick. That's what I would do. Especially, you really have to win on Saturday, I think. Like, you really got to win. Okay. So. And for me, I need more info. Like, I know these guys have... you. I don't know what they're called. But they track all the players' play time, yeah. the level of intensity. It's like the sports scientist guys. Yeah, exactly. So I need to like I would love to learn more about what what kind of perspective those guys bring. Yeah, one like, day we're gonna do like we're gonna figure out who does what in the Flames organization. 
We tried to do that, but it's it's kind of nebulous. It is. It's like you, well, you, can go to, you can go on a staff directory online, but it's like hard to figure out what everyone actually does. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I'm I yeah. Anyways, Saturday St. Louis to me that's your biggest litmus test of the year. That's huge because the Blues we, have been rolling. The last one was Washington, it was a, but as the second of a back to back, you're at home. And they played. You're well. starting to roll. I think you need to win this game. Yeah, so that's why I'm more inclined. And the other to thing is, you got Riddick. three days off. Yeah, you got to like afterwards. You kind of have to empty the tank yeah. on Saturday, give it all you got, and like you got to force a win if you have to. Well, that's why I'm in, that's why I'm more inclined to think Riddick gets the start. Yeah, I agree. But we'll see, I guess. Okay. And the Blues, yeah, they've won six straight, first in the West right now. They are rolling. Yeah. Okay. There's your little recap for the last game and the game coming up. We also wanted to touch quickly on some of our prospects and a little bit of what's going on in Stockton. Um, Stockton as a team is doing very well. They're first in their division. With So they played 10 games so far, seven wins, one loss, one overtime loss, and one shootout loss. It's you can I think you can watch all the AHL games online for free, I'm pretty sure, just if you guys ever wanted to watch. Really? I think you can. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, seven one one and I guess they count shootout losses different in the A. Hey, I don't know if they're scored differently, but they might just do it for like tie breaking. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start watching more AHL games this year. Something I don't really do, but they do count. I like that they count the shootout as a like it's seven one well, one and one. So it's weighted differently. I and like probably that. should be right. I like that. So your top scorers in Stockton right now. Um, in 10 games, you got two t- two players with 10 points. Brandon Frase, he's got 10 points. He's got six goals, four assists. Brandon Davidson, who just got called up on D. Boy. He's got two goals, eight assists for 10 points. Glenn Godden has nine points, two goals, seven Stop assists. Glenn. Buddy Robinson has... Buddy. Listen to this. Buddy Robinson Buddy. has eight points, all goals. All goals. Pure snipe. So he leads the team in goals. Then you got Ryan Lomberg, five goals, Three assists. Matthew Phillips, three goals, five assists. Dylan Dubé, one goal, six assists. He's played nine games. You were saying he was hurt? Yeah, it sounded like he was out with a lower body injury. I'm not sure how serious it was. He's played nine of ten games. Yeah, he hasn't missed many games, so he might be back in the lineup. Do you think we'll see him at this rate? I mean, what, we're we're 19 games in now? 18. Yeah, 18? 19. I think it was 18 last night. Yeah, 18 last night. So we've played 19 games, or 18 games. I feel like it's 19. It's either 18 or 19. We have played 19 games. We've yeah. played 19 games. I don't know. Hey, check it out, man. First in the Pacific. Right now, we're looking at the division. We're tied for first in the Pacific. Edmonton has two games in hand. Vancouver, yeah, somebody was like, what the hell is going on? Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver are 1, 2, and 3 in the Pacific right Dude, now. Dude, Vancouver's been solid. Yeah. They lost last night to Chicago, but... I don't know how long they can sustain it. So, I don't know. Is there anything else to really recap in Stockton? Not really. We, like, don't, we don't really follow it too much. The one the one thing that's kind of interesting, because occasionally, I think like once a week they have the head coach, Kale McLean, on the, on the fan. John Gillies. John Gillies has played three games, and he's played pretty good. Well, that's the other thing we'll touch on is Zagadulin has played seven games. His, and has been... His save percentage is not that great, actually. His goals against is pretty bad, 3.36. Goals against, 3.36, and save percentage, 0.881, under 900. Yeah, so, and Gillies... I think think for the first three games, he was, like, on fire. 
and he's so he's struggling. Well, uh, Tyler Parsons is hurt, is hurt right now, so okay. they actually even had Nick Schneider come in. Nick which, Schneider has played one game. Yeah, Gillies has played three games, and he's won two. He lost. Um, he, he lost one in overtime, and his goals against one five eight save percentage nine three four. Do you know if if Parsons has played in the ECHL at all? Oh, I think to, he's hurt due to his injury. I'm like 100 percent sure he's hurt. All right. While you're looking that up, obviously we can't really talk about the prospects without talking about one of the best prospects in it's, hockey right now, apparently, which is Dustin Wolf. He's been so good. Guy's been lights out. And it's everybody's kind of like, yeah, but but I mean, like, it's kind of hard to ignore when you got a seventh round draft pick playing this well. Okay, so he was he was listed the WHL Player of the Month, or was it just Goalie of the Month? I think it was player of the month. But I just want to... I just... Ken Wilson tweeted out something that I posted to our Instagram today. WHL goaltending leaders in goals saved above average. He is like way ahead of everybody. So he's number one. So he's faced the six most shots against per 60 minutes. And his goal saved above average is 13.2. Wow. That's so good. So the next and, highest and is 8.25. Just, just to break that down, what that means is if you have an average mean across the league of how many saves... You have to make before you let a goal, and that's the average. Yeah, he's he saves thirteen more saves than the average goalie goal. would let in goal per goal. Yeah, that's insane. And the a replacement level goalie in the WHL would have let thirteen goals in. That so he has stopped. What that means is that he is saving way goals. above average. Yeah, he's he's the best goaltender in the WHL right now currently. And his save percentage is nine three eight. So keep it up, Dusty. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Is there any other prospects you had you want to chat about? Yeah, I mean, obviously you got Peltier, and then you got this guy in Ramuski. Oh, Ram- Dimitri. Ramuski? Ramuski Oceanic? Oceanic. Dimitri Zagorginyevny. I totally butchered it. No, you did pretty good. You try. Well, Zagorginyevny? I think, uh, yeah. I'm You're a better. Guy. We had it playing earlier, and it was just like, God, it's hard. It's like that other guy who they drafted this year, Nikhailev. I cannot say his name properly. It's not Nikhailev. Fuck. So, Dimitri... He's playing in Ramuski Oceanic. He's a right wing. In 18 games, he's had 13 goals and 23 assists. So he's got 36 points in 18 games. Um, that's that's two points. Is he he's a, a he's two a point per game right? right now. He's what? He's a 19 year old. Yeah, right? he's 19 years old. Yeah. And then Pelche, just for quick reference, in 15 games has 28 points. He's got 11 goals. So these guys are both doing really well right now. Um, obviously, we saw them in preseason. Did we even see Dimitri? Um, I don't think we saw him in a game. No, he didn't he was come at the camp. Okay, he didn't really play. But much I don't in think the... he played a game. I could so be wrong about that, though. It's it's just cool that we have these prospects that we can track that are doing really well. Obviously, Dustin Wolf is 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 the biggest prospect out of those three. He's right been now. so. It's so. And again, it's so funny because you draft a goalie in the seventh round. And it's like, but he's been really good, man. And just for reference, that I texted you was it December eighth. Oh yeah, Everett's in. Uh, Everett's in playing the Hitman on the eighth, so yeah. everybody should go watch to see. Hopefully, Wolf starts. But. Well, I, I'm. I would be really shocked if they don't start him. They, exactly. They know that there's going to be fans there cheering yeah, for Justin no, Wolf. So, totally. let's yeah. go, Dusty. Keep it up. Shut us out. Shut the Hitman out, bud. Yeah. All right. Any other prospects you want to touch on? Eh, not I think really. the only other thing I wanted to touch on today was some of the comments by Eric Francis I heard today about Johnny Goudreau. Um, okay. Let yeah. Let's. Oh my god! I mean, we were talking about Johnny Gaudreau this week. Some people are like, "Let's trade Johnny. 
He's not performing. Like well, well, yeah, and I want to clarify. Like we've kind of been saying, like, hey, Johnny Imani should be your second line. It's not really that simple, right? It's yeah. like I think it's just we're more concerned with the overall scoring depth, and it's like I we, think what we're concerned with is how can you make this team? How can you maximize because, what they do? Because what we've seen so far out of the gate is that Bill's trying to figure out who fits where. Yeah. And even the players themselves are trying to figure out who's who. Mm-hmm. And that's still been a, a work in progress. I think we saw a lot of strides with Lindholm being paired up with, with Kachuk. Yeah. You saw Bill go to that in the overtime. And I don't know, was he, the, was he doing Arizona. it in Nashville too? I think, yeah, no, he scored that. Lindholm shot the... So yeah. don't be surprised if you continue to see Bill work on that pairing. Yeah. And I want to, like, what we've been saying is that Lindholm and Chucky should be on, on a line together. You can call it the top line because... Do you want to make this point again or just beat it to death? Yeah, we've beat it to death. If you have a top line that's as good as they're defensively as they're offensively, just like the Patrice Bergeron line in Boston, just like the Barkov Barkov line, you got all these top lines that can play against other teams' top lines, and they're going to win the majority of, of the shifts, right? Well, it's kind of like if you look at how Toronto has their two lines right now. Yeah, which it's not the greatest comparison because I don't think that Tavares' line is like when Tavares is in the lineup, definitely. But they have like two great lines: Tavares' line, Matthews' line. So I don't want to sound like we're saying, "Oh, Johnny and Monty are second line now." It's just like you have two lines that do two different things. But strategically, I would make them my second line. Yeah, because totally. Because then you have you have Chucky and Lindholm, and then you get another player to play with them. Exactly. That can shut down as well as dominate offensively. Totally. Then you can follow up Johnny and Monty and get them easier matchups. Exactly. Because what we saw against Colorado in the playoffs is if the 3M line is focused on McKinnon and then all the other team has to do is shut. Basically, if you're the 3M line and your assignment is to primarily shut down McKinnon line, you've got your hands full. Yeah, exactly. you got like, way too much. Like to how do. much can you really contribute, contribute offensively when you're in your end the whole game? Exactly. Right? And then all the, all the abs had to do was shut down Johnny because – the offense funnels through Johnny. Yeah, you nullify him. That top line isn't going to do too much do without too much him. at all. Yeah, and that's what we saw happen. So if you can combat that and give Johnny and, and Monty easier defensive matchups, yeah, then they can contribute more offensively. Anyway, that's that's where we come from with all with this. Yeah, this whole so, approach. Anyways, but anyways, just so to frame the Eric Francis comments. Eric Francis is basically. Um, Eric Francis is Eric Francis. He's kind of... We should say, like, Eric Francis' analysis is 99% just, like, horseshit. Well, like, like you what said... What is he talking about? What'd you call it? Tabloid? Like... Yeah, he's like a tabloid hockey writer. Pretty he much. writes about the dumbest shit. Basically, he was saying that Johnny Gaudreau looks like he doesn't want to be here, doesn't want to play hockey because his body language... When he scored last night, he didn't celebrate. Like, what is that? You tell me he, he wasn't happy to score. And again, like, what is he insinuating there? That to me shows you that what that tells me is that Eric Francis didn't play hockey. I it's a, yeah, like he didn't play hockey. Nor does he. It's just like I don't even know. Like he's just like a clickbait. Again, he writes for the Calgary Sun. I mean, that's pretty much his whole business. It's just like clickbaity, dumb, stupid. It's not even like low resolution. It's just like. It's like, it's like made up resolution. Yeah, it's, it's like tell. It's like why are you talking about Johnny Gaudreau's body language after he scores a goal in a game where everybody played really well? Yeah. What? Anyways. I just did a, a big time eye roll. Anyways, like if you know 
what it's like to be in that situation. I mean, I don't know what it's like to play in the NHL, but sometimes when you're going through stuff, yeah, you don't fucking lose your mind just because you scored a goal breaking out of a slump. Well, if Francis is like, okay, what does he insinuate? Let's look at this. Because let's, here, let's break this down for a second. Yeah. If you track any NHL player going through a slump, the majority of them, when they finally get off the schneid, they don't fucking lose their mind. Like, and fuck yes. Fine. They kind of laugh. Thank God. And Johnny, he's pissed off. I know, he's pissed off. And here's he, that's what's funny to me. It's like, alternatively, I guarantee if Johnny Gaudreau's jumping around after he finally scores the other night, Francis would be like, shouldn't cheer or shit. Like, shouldn't celebrate so much, Johnny. It's your first goal. So... I th- here, here's what I want to track from Eric Francis. What is he insinuating there? Johnny Gaudreau is not happy in Calgary. Johnny Gaudreau doesn't want to what play he, in Calgary. What, That's what he's insinuating, what, isn't it? What he's insinuating is that, well, he basically said that this is not the same player or person. Maybe he's insinuating it's not the same person that we've had playing on our team the last four years. And he's he's not necessarily reading into that, but he's basically encouraging listeners to read into that however they may see it. And I don't know. It just, to me, creates a really inaccurate perspective of what, what a player is going through. I mean, he's your most skilled player. He's still, I know we keep saying, like, Chuck's turning into your best player. But he's still, again, if Johnny Gaudreau's not scoring, you're not going to win very many games. He's your best player right now. He's your most offensive player right now. And I don't know. I just, I just thought it was pretty it's just annoying. I thought it was ridiculous. So. He says t- ridiculous things. Almost want, on a nightly basis. I just wanted to come throw up. that out. And, there. and even like you, you know, you watch him in the in intermissions with Corey Sarich. No, Corey, Corey Sarich is a beauty, but yeah, some of the takes he has is just like, I mean, he was going off. He honestly doesn't follow analytics either because he's no. going off on like Noah Hannafin and, and Being Travis Hamanek. This year, it's just like they're not good defensively. <laughs> Look at their numbers. I know. I remember that was. I think it was in the second intermission. I just had it turned off. I was just like, Ugh. yeah. Just, so, anyways, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know what? There, the, the problem with Francis is, well, there's many problems, but I think one of my biggest bones of contention with him is he, everybody who comes to Calgary, he thinks doesn't want to play in Calgary. Like, he says it's about Kachuk all the time. Well, unless you're Taylor oh, Hall. Kachuk, yeah, unless you're Taylor Hall. Because you were born here. Yeah, it's like that's his that's his level of investigative journalism. Oh, Kachuk and Kachuk are from America, therefore they don't want to play in Calgary. It's like he... He's always trying to sell that narrative, like, all the time. And it's so tiresome, and he needs to shut up about it. So I guess my point is, is that don't listen to Eric Francis. <laughs> because, honestly, if you, if enough people buy into it, oh, I know. it creates, like, a weird reality. Well, and the, and the way he always frames things, not to keep going on his friends thing, but he always says things as if they're fact, right? Yeah. It's just like he'll just say, and Johnny, and, and, Gaudreau, I, and I guess that's it. That's oh a, yeah, yeah. I remember one other thing he said. He was like, "TJ Brody's not coming back this year." Or yes. This year. I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" He was like, "I can guarantee you, he won't be back." No, he doesn't even say I guarantee it. He just says it like it's a fact. Yeah. He's just like TJ Brody won't be back next year. Blah 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 blah. It's like that's a pretty I, weird thing to just that's, like throw that's right. out there as a that's fact. Right. That's another thing I heard him say last night. Yeah. Where I'm just like, honestly, we shouldn't be listening to this guy. I know. Like, how is he on TV? So just tune him out. Like it's not even like he has inside yeah, insider no. knowledge. He's an idiot. Like you tell me, Brad Schuling is telling him what he's planning on doing, right? Hey, Eric, come in here. Come on. Ugh, he's so annoying. Anyways, so our point is, don't listen, to Eric Francis. Usually, he's way out in left field. He might get lucky every once in a while because he plays in left field. But yeah, exactly. But for the most part.